Will you all join me in prayer? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today is a time-honored tradition here at Christ United Methodist Church. Each year, we recognize a stewardship season, which is way more than about financially giving to the church. It's more about us focusing less on ourselves and more on our relationship with a larger community. In this instance, our church family. And today, on the last Sunday of stewardship, we will have a special moment later in the service where we invite members to bring up their pledge cards for the coming year. When you become a member of a United Methodist Church, the vows you take are these. To faithfully participate in the life and ministries of our local congregation through our prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness. We believe that the gifts part of those vows encompass the very many things we have all been blessed with and giving those gifts back to God. One of those gifts being what we have financially. If you are new here or you have been a guest for a while, you are invited to sit back and soak up the service today. I don't believe that giving should ever be something that you feel pressured to do or something that makes you feel uncomfortable. When we are generous, we catch a glimpse of authenticity, and I don't want to cheapen or dampen that experience this morning. I do believe that everyone has something to offer. And when we do give of our gifts, we're saying that we matter less and others matter more, which is how we live into loving Christ here on earth. Throughout this sermon series, we have focused on our church's mission, loving God, serving others, and transforming lives. We believe that transformed lives happen when we live our lives more like Jesus, and that transformation has more to do about what God is and who God is than what we could ever do alone. Growing up, my family attended First United Methodist Church of Waxahachie. One of the most consistent memories I have of my time there was sitting with my family in church every Sunday morning in the sanctuary during offering time. My mom would write a check and fold it, and either me or my sister, whoever could get it first most Sundays, would grab it and stick it into the plate as it was passed. Every single week, I remember my mom handing us a check without fail. And this consistency around giving has really stuck with me. As a child, you notice what the adults in your life do. You look to their example and the way that they center their lives. I was fortunate enough growing up that when I looked around at the adults in my life, I saw moments full of service where they were volunteering in their community, where they were making meals for those who were sick or hospitalized, where they were praying for others, where these adults were literally sharing their faith out in the world. There were moments growing up where my family was struggling or having hard times, and still, 
my parents' regular giving of their gifts set a foundation for me and my family. It demonstrated to me that their generosity was not dependent on them. It came from somewhere else. It came from something that had to be essential to their faith. Generosity comes when we make our lives less about us and more about Jesus, the one who shows us how to love one another. Now, if we accept this notion as Christians, as followers of Jesus, that we are called to be a generous people, an important question for each of us to consider is what are those things that keep us from being generous? What are the things that get in the way of us giving of our gifts? Now, for Jesus, this, there was an obvious answer to what prevents people from being generous and giving their gifts to others. We're going to look at a passage this morning, of course, you already know, from the Gospel of Luke. We are still in Luke. And we are going to be in the 12th chapter, looking at verses 13 through 21. Hear these words. Someone from the crowd said to him, Jesus, teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus said to him, man, who appointed me as judge or referee between you and your brother? Then Jesus said to them, watch out, guard yourself against all kinds of greed. After all, one's life is not determined by one's possessions, even when someone is very wealthy. Then Jesus did what Jesus does best and told them a parable. A certain rich man's land produced a bountiful crop. The rich man said to himself, what will I do? I have no place to store my harvest. Then the rich man or the farmer thought, huh, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down all the barns I already have and I'll build bigger ones. That's where I'll store all my grain and goods. I'll say to myself, you have stored up plenty of goods, enough for several years Take it easy, eat, drink, enjoy yourself. But God said to this rich man, this farmer, fool, tonight you will die. Now who will get the things you have prepared for yourself? This is the way it will be for those who hoard things for themselves and are not rich toward God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say thanks be to God. Jesus identifies greed as a big reason people withhold their generosity. And Jesus is clearly trying to make a point here to the man who's come asking him to tell his brother to divide their inheritance. Jesus refuses to play referee between the brothers and then does the typical Jesus thing, which is, let's tell a parable. Like all of the parables Jesus tells, this one is particularly difficult for us to wrestle with. A man has a large harvest and needs more space to store it. How many of us have ever needed a larger closet for all of our clothes or a storage unit for some of our possessions? We can all probably think of at least one instance where we needed needed a bigger storage solution in our lives. We all know what it's like to, have, to want to have more space for our stuff. For this rich man, for the farmer in the parable, his motivation for more storage 
is part of his problem here. By storing up his harvest, he's able to provide for himself for many years. And when he does that, he'll no longer need to harvest crops for those coming years because he already has enough, thus putting many people out of work, not employing those people season after season like he has been. The farmer will be making an impact on a larger system in his community. He also doesn't take into consideration how his plenty could help those who are in need. We don't see the rich man offer his surplus to those who are struggling. Instead, he seems to keep it all to himself. There are a lot of ways this particular parable could convict many of us. Ways it could make us consider situations and experiences where we may be hanging on to things that could help support someone else. In the parable, the man says, ha, now I will relax and enjoy all of my surplus. Only for God to say, ha, you're dying tonight. Then what is any good of all the stuff you have? Jesus demonstrates that security in life comes from something outside of our possessions. Our security comes from trusting God with our lives and with our purposes. Jesus cautions the brother who asked for his inheritance. He cautions him against getting caught up in his own greed. It's a reminder, frankly, many of us could use today. In what ways are we holding on to more than what we need? In what ways are we being greedy with what's been given to us? Maybe it's not an intentional thing. Maybe it's kind of snuck up on us over the years and we don't even realize that it's happening. We could all benefit from examining the ways we are using our gifts to serve and in what ways we may be holding back some of our gifts. True transformation in the world begins when we're honest about our shortcomings and when we work to do better. As I have worked to examine the ways I fail to be generous in situations where I am greedy of my own gifts, I've discovered an important component for me to combat my inclination to think only of myself and what's best for my family. That solution is community. When I am in relationship with other people, when I focus on something outside of myself, greediness and selfishness are less likely to sneak into my life. When we all are in true community with other people, we care deeply about their well-being. And instead of doing what may be best for ourselves in the moment, we take into account other people's experience and what may be best for the larger community. I wonder how the farmer's priorities may have shifted had he been in close community with other people. Maybe his first instincts would not have been, or would have been, to share out of his abundance instead of to secure it away for himself. Maybe the farmer would have taken notice of how his decision to keep his abundance for the future 
could have negatively affected his neighbors and those who he employed. Community takes the focus off of me and instead places it on the we. When we are in community, we have compassion for others. We seek to find these sustainable solutions and we consistently practice generosity to one another and hopefully to the larger world. In the United Methodist Church, the global church, we consider ourselves a connectional people. That means that no one congregation stands alone. Instead, we share of our resources. We give a portion of our budget every year to global ministries that benefit people all over the world. In the United Methodist Church, we practice what is called an itineracy process, which means that our pastors are appointed to a number of different congregations during their ministry so they can share their gifts with more people. Our pastors are shared across the church. When disasters hit, we work together with other churches to provide resources and relief to those communities. No single congregation stands alone. We work together to love others just like Jesus did. My first church family at First United Methodist Church of Waxahachie truly showed me what community looks like. Yes, it is where I witnessed my parents' generosity, but it's also where I received generosity in abundance. It's where I met my childhood best friends. It's where I was given the opportunity to serve through coaching upward basketball teams and going on annual youth mission trips. It is the community of people who nurtured my calling to ordained ministry, inviting me to serve on committees and even preach in services as a young person. Just yesterday, I was in Waxahachie for a baby shower, and at this shower, there were over eight women there from my home church. They are still supporting me, even to this day. Community helps open our eyes to others, and it connects us in ways that are transformative and that are life-giving. Generosity happens when we look outside of ourselves, when we take notice of someone else and work together bringing about the love of Christ. That is truly where lives are transformed. We want our church to be a place of community where people of different experiences and backgrounds can come together and work toward building the kingdom of God. It takes every one of us, though, together, being committed to care for one another. That means doing things like checking in on each other. That means smiling and saying hi even when it seems kind of awkward. It means not letting our community end after the benediction is sung. It means not stocking up our possessions selfishly. And being in community takes vulnerability. It takes generosity. It takes focusing on using our gifts for good. It is a challenge to be in community, but I believe it is a worthy challenge. When we are in community, we make the world a little less 
lonely and we naturally become more generous with our gifts. When we take the focus off of ourselves, lives are transformed. Christ's love sets the foundation for true community to be built. Just as I looked to my parents' example as a child, our little ones are looking to us to see how we lead our lives. Their foundation is being built now. Generosity comes when we make our lives less about us and more about others. When it becomes more about who Jesus is and how Jesus is working in each of our lives. May we each be a generous people and build community through the actions we take and the words that we say. Since this is the conclusion of our stewardship season, I want to invite you all to pray with me for the last time, just last time, like here, not forever, uh, the covenant prayer, a modern version of it that John Wesley shares with us. Will you join me? I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Place me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you, praised for you or criticized for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service. And now, O oh wonderful and holy God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer, you are mine and I am yours, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it also be made in heaven. Amen.